Welcome, friends, to Whale Vomit. I'm Sam Chris in the People's Liberated Territory of London. I'm in Amberly Frost in the seethingly jealous hovel of Brooklyn. So, uh, it's been quite a good week. It's been all right. I've had fun. Yeah, it's been a really good week. I've been celebrating uh, your country so much that I can't even make fun of it very well anymore. I had a friend that said if Corbin pulls through or, you know, even makes a good showing, she's going to stop making fun of the British for a year. And I said I would try my best for six months. <laughs> it's been three days and it's really hard. Yeah, I've, I've had a really hard time of it because, you know, I've basically staked everything in life on being, you know, this kind of miserablest pessimist who thinks that, you know, the earth is cursed by sin and nothing good can ever happen on it. And also <laughs> despising with every fibre of my being the English people and everything they stand for. Uh, and it turns out that I was just incredibly wrong on both of those counts. So, uh you know, everyone in the UK media is doing these kind of uh, mea culpas now where they kind of go, well, you know, I thought Jeremy Corbyn would uh, have the Labour Party polling on 1% with his policy of nationalising the peasant communes, uh, but I was wrong. So I, I guess I have to do one as well. I, I was wrong. The English people are technically sons of God and they can be redeemed. <laughs> oh, wow. I know that was really hard for you. Well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, uh, I've built my life on hating this country. But, um, yeah, we, we did it. We did the, the best thing that we've ever done by 40% of us voting for the Labour Party. I know. Honestly, I had developed the notably irrational pessimism of the leftists where I'm just like, well, he, he can't do well because that would be a good thing. And good, good things don't happen. The problem with good things happening is that when they happen, you then have to own them. You know, you can, you can no longer kind of transcendentally float above the world and condemn it all to, to ashes. You have to kind of stake yourself on a project. And then if it ever ends up fucking up, then that's on you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, countdown to people denouncing Corbyn over some completely um, inane thing. But... You know, uh, until then, I, 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 a good, a really excellent thing happens. And I'm not entirely sure how to deal with it emotionally. So I've just been drinking to excess. Yeah, I've been doing that. I've been, uh, I've been drinking champagne, which is great. Yep. You know, what, what's the point of socialism if it's not champagne for everyone? Um, yeah, I've done champagne, cava, prosecco, basically all the bubblies. I've done an around-the-world bubbly tour. And yeah, I've been developing this new kind of sunny and optimistic persona, which is uh, uncomfortable for me, but um, we'll see how I go with it. You know, on, on the night of the election, I found myself like kind of not even hating the inbred cretins of the British comment media. I was just like, well, now they know that they're wrong. They're going to have to deal with it. They'll see that I'm right. They will worship me and then it'll be fine. <laughs> and how's that, how's that working out? Um, well, I mean, I'm about to pen a piece uh, completely slating them all for being absolutely useless. So we'll see. They are useless. Uh, it's more of an innocuous uselessness. It's, it's less of a tripping over your own dick and then ruining the birthday party kind of, kind of useless. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess what what Corbyn's election has really shown is just that the traditional media is way, way less powerful than we thought it was. Because, I mean, I don't know how much of it 
filtered into America. We were following it like vicariously, just obsessively. Um, and also there's some jealousy there because he is, in fact, you know, a, a better candidate than our late great uh god bless him he was thrown into the Lendwer canal <laughs> bernie sanders yeah i mean corbyn is a better socialist than bernie yeah but on the in that he's a socialist. yeah yeah he's not a kind of new dealite although i mean like you know labor's manifesto is like the most radical manifesto labor has probably ever run with and even then it's kind of social democraticy. I was really blown away. I, I, I'm trying to sort of follow May's um, uh, plummeting legacy, which is just really enjoyable. Oh, it was fantastic. It's truly enjoyable. Um, I, I, who called her a dead woman walking? Um, That's, that was the big one that I saw. Oh, God, that was George Osborne, um, <laughs> who, uh, whose real name is Gideon. And, you know, he's mostly famous for being the guy who impoverished millions of people in this country when he was chancellor and led to potentially tens of thousands of deaths. But then also every time he was captured on camera, he would have this kind of really creepy, far away grin while he was looking like 30 degrees away from the lens. So he looked like he was on PCP the entire time, which would be far too reasonable an explanation for the Conservative Party over the last seven years. Well, that's charming. But I mean, she's a disgrace. It's great. It's enjoyable. It's like five times Hillary level cell phone. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a very intense cell phone. And it's it's like the sort of Protestant in me is just very smugly smirking at... It's such a tale of hubris, too. Mm, It's it's a kind of... It's a medieval parable. It is. It's so good. There, There was a queen who wanted to prove that she was loved by all the people of the land, so she decided to ask ask them. And then she ends up being burnt as a witch. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. The problem is that she's still the fucking prime minister, which is um, frankly unbelievable. Yeah, how long are you going to be in this weird limbo, though, where people, you know, deal with this before they, I, I don't know, t- tie her to a boat and then set it on fire? <laughs> um, I mean, potentially for the rest of our lives. You know, if like the agreement with the DUP holds up, she could theoretically have a full five-year term. But given that she's like the... Possibly the worst negotiator in frontline politics at the moment. That's kind of doubtful. But I mean, I mean, did you see her her initial speech when she returned to Downing Street? I did not. Uh, after nearly being beaten in her own constituency by a giant Elmo puppet and Lord Buckethead, um, and after seeing, I think, possibly five of her frontline government ministers losing their seats, she stood outside Downing Street and said. Uh, well, we've had an election and uh, we are going to form a government and it's going to be a strong, stable, reassuring, functional government. And then she just went back into her house. Oh my God. Uh, without, without kind of even mentioning the fact that a party had essentially been crippled in England and that, you know, she was promising a hundred seat majority and she'd actually lost it altogether. I know, it's so good. She got her <laughs> ass handed to her, as we say. I think it's interesting to kind of compare her reaction to Hillary Clinton, because when when Clinton staked everything on her own personal popularity and found out that people hated her, she like clearly had some kind of mental breakdown. You know, she uh, went to go live in the woods. Yeah, she went to go live in the woods. And, you know, she was clearly on like 
a lot of Xanax, you know, more than a healthy recreational dose um, and kind of trying to claw her way back into politics from her deep pit of misery and self-loathing. And in a way, that kind of humanised Hillary Clinton more than anything else she's ever done. Whereas Theresa May, it was it was as if, you know, like her interior processing unit couldn't quite handle the information that she was receiving. And so she just decided to kind of continue along as normal, you know, like a like like a robot goalkeeper continuing to walk up and down long after everything else has died. Um, that's too close to a sports metaphor for my taste, but yeah, I mean, it is difficult to avoid uh, comparisons with Hillary Clinton, uh, and Americans are really bad about that, but, um, and, and, and Bernie with Corbyn as well. However, one of the things that, like, really struck me is that she did have the same um, relationship with her constituency that Hillary did, and that people liked her a lot when she was not around. And then she would show up and give a speech, and her approval ratings would plummet. It's like her presence, her very presence reminded, only served as a reminder of how much they did not like her. And really, it is only her absence that insulated her uh, from people's, you know, impulse when they when they see her, which is, which is to either cower or sneer or or cringe in some way vomit (laughs) (laughs) shit themselves yeah just spontaneous diarrhea yeah i mean like theresa may i think is kind of like the police in that way Uh, approval of the police is generally quite high because you know people are kind of you know they're brought up thinking oh the police are the guys who chase down the murderers on tv right but whenever you see the police you panic because you're like, oh shit, the police are here. God knows what's about to happen. But like, it's been shown that like uh, approval ratings of the police drops with any kind of interaction with the police. It doesn't matter if they're like helping you file the forms after you've been burgled or like helping your cat down from a tree. As soon as you actually like talk to a cop, there's something innate in you that kind of that's filled with revulsion because you look at this kind of perfectly ordinary idiot and you think this man has a right to kill me if he wants to and there, there's something about people that that just rebels automatically at the thought of it and it's kind of the same with with Theresa may she yeah. you know as long as all she had to do was say that she was strong and stable then people liked her but as soon as she did absolutely anything then her opinion ratings plummeted uh because people realized that she's this kind of grotesque mawkish idiot with skin that's lo- that looks like it's been made out of a mass of shelled whelks. She, she's a real seafood creature. But I like seafood. Yeah, I, I love seafood when it's dead. Oh, that's true. She's more of an animated corpse of seafood. Uh, the American reception to it has been absolutely insane. I mean, at least the UK media is, is shameless. Yeah, but, um, but they, they know which buttons to push. Whereas the, whereas the Americans just seem to have... Apart from the American left, who have been fantastic, but uh, mainstream American media has been absolutely bizarre. Right, but there is no American left media, really. I mean, there's just li- liberal media. Well, I'm, I'm talking to it. Yeah, that's me. Hello. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for your approval. It, it has been fun going through and seeing all the old um, sort of considerations, uh, even in the, the U.S. media, of like, well... What could happen with Corbin? Absolutely nothing. Like there was no, like no one got it. Like literally no one got it. And I just, I love how terribly, terribly wrong 
they are over and over again. Mm. If anything, because it points out like their cynicism, their general cynicism and their kowtowing to power. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we should talk like also just about the just the general ignorance, which is really astounding. I showed you the uh, the Clara Jeffrey tweet, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But but fill fill in our fill in our listeners. So Clara Jeffrey, who is the editor of Mother Jones, despite being you know her own made up child, she tweeted something on the lines of, "Oh, how many Americans celebrating Corbyn's victory and saying that it means Bernie would have won uh, are aware?" that this was the UK's first election on a completely new kind of election system. And she was highlighting a bit from a New York Times article, uh, which was talking about the British first past the post. post. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And she read it as the first past the post system. Which, I mean, I'm trying to think of what you could possibly compare it to, but like, like, it's... For someone who writes about politics, especially considering as, like, America is first past the post, it's the dumbest fucking thing anyone could yeah. possibly have said. But yeah. what makes it perfect is the way that it's couched in that kind of, oh, you simple lefties who are, who are celebrating this victory. Don't you know what we political insiders know? Which is that to, to really understand the world, you have to tear out one of your own eyes. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's fabulous because because she delivered it so smugly. Yeah, and 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 that's hubris again. I'm loving all of these downfalls from hubris. Everyone's getting their comeuppance. God, I hope I'm not next. <laughs> um, yeah, probably. Uh, just watch yourself. Just don't tweet for like a good twenty four hours. Never mind, you're doomed. <laughs> but yeah, I yeah, I may as well die I, now. I think that the idea that. Um, uh, that she wanted to, and, and not just her, but, you know, this sort of, like, liberal media class in general that are very cynical. They wanted to, in general, uh, somehow retain some of their uh, credibility. So they're like, oh, well, I'll, I'll act like I know a, a minute detail about UK politics and just get it so, so wrong, like, just not even being close to knowing what they're talking about. And it's like, you can't just take the L. And theoretically, it should be an L you're happy to take. Mm. Like, I'm so happy to be wrong. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I mean, this is a line that, that like, uh, in the UK media, a lot of people are having difficulty with. I mean, like, like, the traditional media mainstream left has, from the very beginning, been completely hostile to Corbyn. You know, like like back when he was a 200 to 1 outsider in the Labour leadership race, they were already kind of going, oh, this old dinosaur, he probably shouldn't even be allowed to stand. What's the point in giving socialism a voice when no one cares about it? Um, but ever since he took the leadership, they've been screaming that he's completely unelectable. And then every time that he, you know, that Labour loses uh, a by-election or a council election, because of the massive media impression that he's completely unelectable, that's been taking this kind of further proof. But, but you know, it's, it's, been, it's been arranged on these two different levels. You know, there's a kind of, uh, Corbyn is incompetent and unelectable, even if, you know, we pay lip service to his ideas. So he absolutely has to go. Or there's a kind of more hardline, you know, you know, Jeremy Corbyn is a terrorist sympathiser in bed with Iran, which has been, like, coming from people who call themselves leftists as well. And so now you have this kind of bizarre genre of of like kind of exculpatory essays coming out from people like 
fucking Nick Cohen, uh, in which they kind of go, well, I guess I was wrong about him being unelectable, but I guess that just proves that the British people in general are unelectable as well. <laughs> I wasn't wrong. The results were wrong. The reality itself is wrong. <laughs> I could not possibly be wrong. Ergo, there must be a, a glitch in the system somehow. That mutant, Nick Cohen, he doesn't even look human. Like, I mean, not to go all you, but he is literally shockingly <laughs> reptilian looking. I, I think he's, he's much more amphibian, I think. Don't, hey, no, I'm amphibian. <laughs> I'm a cute... I'm a cute little tree frog. Yeah, yeah, Nick Cohen is like if you took a kind of like a toad and and just kind of put it in like a, a pond filled entirely with whiskey, then eventually it would turn into Nick Cohen. <laughs> um, but wasn't there, uh, there was someone in America who, who wrote something along, along the lines of, you know, immediately after the election result, well, it looks like uh, 13 million British people need a bit of an education in democracy and civic values. Oh my God, speaking of which, I... I Going back to my, uh, you know, American rubishness and cultural chauvinism, um, I forgot that Theresa May had to ask the Queen to hold the fucking snap. Oh yeah, yeah, and she has to. She had to ask the Queen to. Um, she had to ask the Queen to dissolve Parliament, and then she had to ask the Queen for permission to form a government after the election. And then she had to ask the Queen for permission to make eye contact with swans. And then she had <laughs> no, to ask no, no, the no, no, no. It's absolutely illegal for anyone other the than team. the Queen to make eye contact with a swan. <laughs> I mean, it's like... Or eye contact in general. So, yeah, well, I, that's not really a problem. It's not really in the sort of behavioral patterns of British people. Um, but honest to God, every time you bring up the fact that you people have a goddamn queen. People will be like, oh, it's only ceremonial and it's only... No, it's not! Theoretically, the queen could get a fucking wild corgi hair up her ass and be like, no, you can't. <laughs> That's a terrible loophole. That's a monarchist loophole. Well, yeah, I mean, she probably wouldn't do it because... Um, well, she has well, no I mean, idea what's going on, probably. Well, I mean, also the queen also, kind the of queen has this... Dead. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. She she is literally dead, but I mean, she's been dead for a very long time. She can continue to perform her constitutional functions <laughs> fine. That she kind of as as like the worms take up residence inside <laughs> her. Um, but That's yeah, why like, she has the corgis now. They eat, they eat <laughs> all of the. They scare away the vermin that might try and pick away at the, at the queen's carcass. <laughs> well, that's that's why they made uh, very sure that they never fed the corgis on dog food with pork. Otherwise, you know, the next time they started moving her robotic animated corpse around outside, they would just leap on her <laughs> in front of the cameras. Um, but um, but yeah, like the Queen is kind of the same thing as like the the police and Theresa May phenomenon because people absolutely love her uh, and they have no idea who she is. <laughs> they, 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 like, like, they, they like the idea of her. Oh, we love the Queen. She's, you know, she's so patient. She's always been there. Like, you may as well be describing a fucking rock. <laughs> she doesn't move. Uh, yeah. She's I mean, very stationary. It's, like, it's what British people kind of generally tend to like from politicians is like a kind of Steady. comforting image. Yeah. And then as few personal qualities as possible. And that's why it's 
kind of surprising and incredible that Corbyn did well because he's not that kind of guy at all. You know, he had like the the complete op- opposite effect. Like people hated him until they actually found out who he was. Yeah, I mean, and also like every delightful personal detail that popped up said it, it became this very strange, pleasant thing. You know, and I, I don't want to overstate the personal appeal of politicians because I do think that people generally and largely tend to be rational in the sense that they're self-interest and they were responding to his message. They weren't just in love with the guy that gardens. But it did become, you know, he meaned so well. Like, he is like, oh, look at his little cardigan. Look at look at that giant gourd mm. he grew. Oh, he makes jam. Oh, my gosh. It was, like, very <laughs> endearing. That's, you, I mean, you know, because he's a human He's a human. Also, you know, like he he talks to people, you know, he, he can hold a conversation, you know, with with words and sentences and, and replying. Did we talk about Theresa May's uh, inter- uh, Plymouth interview on the last one? I mean, I can't even remember. Like everything before Thursday is the before time. It's all been wiped away. But like uh, like there were two records in the election of like the MPs returned by the biggest majorities in history. Uh, and number one was Diane Abbott, who the media have also yeah they've been gone after her super hard yeah screaming at yeah in a incredibly racist way let's be honest uh, but then number two was Jeremy Corbyn who was re-elected for I think the ninth time for his constituency and that's because like people who actually live in his constituency in Islington they love him because he knows all of their names and he remembers their faces and he remembers what they like and don't like and he genuinely seems to care about other people and that's incredibly rare in politics yeah and that's so, the sense you know, of the like, politician like, as a public servant, it, it actually is very kind of well represented by him. And like that's everyone who has sort of, you know, been attached to his career when he was like this weird little far left, uh, you know, labor mainstay that people didn't really pay attention to. They fucking interviewed his goddamn, you know, Lebanese diner guy. Oh, I saw that. That was a fantastic video. Oh, the, my God. The Navarro it, one melted my black yeah. little heart yeah and it didn't even have to rely on any kind of like you know emotionally cynical plinky piano music no there wasn't any yeah there wasn't any affectatious kind of ukulele or whatever the fuck ever it, it was just like he, he's a human and, and he's nice and it's just so shocking to see that and i he's really dedicated to his work and has been for an extremely long time when people weren't really paying attention and people respond to that. Mm. How often does that happen? You know, like like people absolutely do come out for Corbyn personally. You know, like um, there was a, uh, God, some fucking irrelevancy of a right-wing Labour MP or whatever. He was on Twitter kind of, you know, talk about how he's going to continue to fight the leadership in favour of the kind of the centrist policies that real British people enjoy. And his mentions were just full of people going, I'm your constituent. I voted for you. I didn't vote for you personally. I was voting for Jeremy Corbyn and for his programme. And, you know, like, 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 like there's a reason that, that these, these fucking traitors, these slugs are getting increased majorities of 20,000 on an election two years ago. And it's not because everyone's really proud of what they've been doing to obstruct Jeremy Corbyn. They can't possibly think that either, right? Or are they that deluded? Oh, these people are... are Well, I mean, if they weren't that deluded, then they might have actually realised that something was up when the 200 to 1 outsider actually won their party's leadership election two years ago. 
you know, they, they, they might have noticed that people actually seem to like the guy. I, I kind of dispute that it's just self-interest as well. I mean, you know, like um, the Labour manifesto is genuinely going to be better for 95% of the people in the country and the other 5% can probably stand to take the hit. But, um, you know, in terms of like the kind of the really strident anti-austerity, like the worst of austerity, like the way it's the uh, the reason it's been able to to function and and uh, the, the reason that conservative governments have been able to do it is because a number of people who are really badly affected by the worst parts of austerity, you know, like, um, you know, cutting disability allowance, the kind of incredibly cruel kind of Foucauldian practices in, in job centres and so on, is that it's a minority of people who are affected by that. Uh, and people coming out for Labour kind of demonstrates that actually people want to have a kind of community feeling. They want to be able to do things for the people around them. They want to be good. Um, and and I kind of welled up just at that fact, you know, it's... Uh, challenging everything I thought about this this island of the damned and the wretched. There's hope. Well, I always use a very bad... The metaphor, I think, is good, but the movie itself is incredibly bad. And uh, I, I use this metaphor to, to sort of describe the, the sort of cynicism of, of liberal progressives. But do you remember the the King Kong remake with Naomi Watts. No, I do not. I think I saw it, but I don't remember it. No one does because it was extremely bad. It was redone by Peter Jackson. It came out in 2005. I saw it in the theaters. I'm not sure. Maybe I was high or something, but I remember watching it. It was so bad. It was like literally upsetting me. And I remember getting to a point where she goes to this a big ape island or whatever where King Kong is and he had to amp it up so he added dinosaurs um, and at some point these dinosaurs start chasing the uh, you know the statuesque blonde Naomi Watts uh, you know intending to eat her and she falls into a ravine and they also fall into a ravine and these dinosaurs are hanging from vines and as they are hanging from these vines they're trying to snap at her and i remember just being like that is not an accurate representation of animal behavior the thing is <laughs> you know like that is an accurate representation of how politicians work yeah though. because they're not human but or or hmm. even animals well yeah they're yeah reptiles. but this idea that people are 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 so vicious and antisocial and predatory that they would actually sacrifice their own welfare. They would rather hurt someone else than save their own skin. Is this idea that's been internalized by all these liberal cynics? And that's simply not true. People aren't certainly well, aren't I mean, hateful I th- to the I point of pe- lacking self-interest. I mean, I think I think people will actually do that, but they'll do it under conditions that that are imposed on them. Yeah, no, you uh, have it's, to it's alter. Not like, yeah, there, there's not like a a natural instinct to do that. Exactly. Um, but 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 when you enforce this kind of you know social matrix, which is entirely based on you know zero sum games and social spite and resentment, then pe- then people will respond in kind because you know people when they're when they're disorganized and they're under attack uh, are not going to be perfect. Right, but you have to impose that upon people. Yeah. If they're aware of the ravine. Mostly they're trying to get out of the ravine. 
<laughs> More I, than I mean, trying to eat Naomi Watts. Anyway, <laughs> it was a terrible movie, but the metaphor makes sense. I like it. The idea that people are are lacking or are or so invested in in their own sort of personal whatever prejudices or bigotry or, or sense of you know competitive predatoriness that they're not even self interested anymore. That's a delusional, cynical thing that I, I think the media class especially, but liberal politicians have really picked up on. They're like, well, it wouldn't fly here because, uh, you know, they don't want to see this person getting benefits. And it's like, that's not how people think. You know, it's often quite hard to to gauge how people actually think. Um, you know, well, you know, I went canvassing for Labour during the election. and um, I know, that's so cute. I know, I know. If you told me two years ago, hey, I've joined Labour now. If you told me two years ago, you're not you're not only going to vote for Labour, you're going to join Labour and canvass for Labour. I would have been absolutely disgusted by myself. <laughs> but uh, we've we've come a very long way. What, what what's really stunning when you when you go out uh, when you go out canvassing is a kind of incredible diversity of of opinion you come across. You know, if you try and gauge the national mood by reading the newspapers, you you really do get the impression that. That the, the country is full of absolutely cynical, absolutely brutal cunts. But you, you know, when you go knocking on doors, you'll find you know really doctrinaire socialists living right next to tacit neo-Nazis. There, there's a wide degree of uh, of opinion out there, and and a lot of it is very unorganised, and it needs organisation. I mean, like a few things have kind of solidified. I mean, like one thing I really remember is you know all the usual sneering pricks of the centre-left to centre-right media kind of essentially taking the stand that all you Corbynistas, you're just in this kind of social media bubble, you need to break out of the bubble and listen to real people who obviously believe what I imagine them to believe. And as it turns out, the bubble is bigger than the real world. This is what happens with social media penetration. The the left-wing Facebook bubble is huge. Well, that's why I try not to be on the internet at all anymore because i am because i am noble and good and wise and not because i found it difficult to read novels anymore because the screen time was affecting my already puppy-like attention span <laughs> these days i mostly just read novels that i find at the train station that's not um, a bad uh, i mean that's a very that's a very crowdsourced way of uh, of digesting literature they had uh, the name of the rose by umberto eco the other day oh see uh, yeah, I think I think one of the most interesting things to come out of it, though, was uh, um, Momentum, which is like, uh, I guess, like the British DSA, if if you have to make the comparison. Um, <laughs> I know. Yeah, they open out a lot of really fantastic video content, and a lot of it was going out on Facebook, and something like 25% of all British Facebook users saw a Momentum video in their timeline at some point during the election. And almost all of those were shared organically by people they know. Whereas, you know, there was a lot of fear about the Tory fake news media machine, which was meant to have delivered Brexit. But in the end, all they could actually do was uh, buy up Google ads about how their dementia tax wasn't actually a dementia tax, which, you know, when you search for it, you ended up getting stories about how they were buying up adverts to try and conceal the truth of what they were doing. So, um, you know, I, I think I think the main lesson people can get from this election is trust in the people. Yeah, I mean, that's revolting, but you're probably right. Yeah, so what's next? I, I, I actually literally don't know what's next. 
whenever I look up, like, okay, so what happens now? <laughs> I know that they failed to get the majority, and, and they're like, well, it could be a few things. It'll probably be this thing. Okay, when is that thing going to happen? Um, it could take a really long time or a really short time. I'm just saying you do not have an efficient system. Well, I mean, you'll love this thing because the, uh, the story just came out today that uh, there was meant to be a Queen's speech today in which the Queen comes into Parliament. She's rolled into Parliament. Yeah, and, and she, kind of, um, she, she announces what her government is going to do in the next year. Uh, and Jeremy Corbyn's plan was to tack in a, an enormous amendment onto the Queen's speech, which would include basically the entire Labour manifesto. And if he could get that amendment through, then it would mean that effectively at every chance of, of being able to form a government, you know, pretty soon. Uh, but as it turns out, there's a delay in the Queen's speech. She's not going to give it uh, today. And the reason is that it's usually written on vellum, which is calfskin parchment, and they didn't have enough. <laughs> they they had uh, sacrificed them all in a weird pagan ritual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they, they burnt them all in the, <laughs> in the fires to ensure a Tory victory. So now, before the business of government can go forward, we have to kill a calf. Oh my God, that's so British. <laughs> it's, it's so British, it's biblical. This is the dumbest fucking country on the planet. Oh, it's so dumb, but the people are apparently all right. Uh, but my God, <laughs> it is truly shocking. I mean, just to throw... I, I'm trying not to be a massive American snob, because God knows, you know, we're a country formed by your idiot rejects. But Jesus fucking mm -hmm. Christ. No, like, America is, like, hyper-Britain. <laughs> we're, frankly, we're at least a more efficient Britain. We'd have the calfskin if that was a thing. Like, we wouldn't have run out. <laughs> That's for damn sure. We well, would have yeah, killed no, all the cows of, uh... just to make sure that we had enough. Yeah, well, I mean, just hundreds of cowboys just kind of running in to donate their, their boots to the government. Yeah, exactly. There would be, like, a weird, a horrible, like, victory garden campaign and... You know, uh, the, everyone, a few people would maybe offer to uh, some of their own skin, you know, for, for God and country. <laughs> They're like, well, I'm not using this bit on the back of my calf, so it's, you know, you can have it. <laughs> Please, yes, queen, write your speech on my back. <laughs> but yeah, then going forward, um, oh, there's a horrifying but incredible stuff with the, the DUP. Um, who are now going to have to kind of prop up a conservative government uh, while not going into formal coalition with them. Have you heard of these guys? Are they uh, a big deal around your parts? Uh, they're not a big deal over here, but um, Americans, like American white people have this giant boner for mm. Ireland because it's imperialism, but imperialism that was exacted upon white people. So... People are suddenly um, big experts on this, but like the sort of people that really like the pokes. They want to have like an extreme negative, like, which, you know, yeah, but n not because of your weird, you know, Shane McGowan LARPing. <laughs> Yeah, like well, I mean, um, I mean, what was interesting with the with the uh, potential DUP pact was that. Um, well, I mean, like English people in general know literally fucking nothing about Northern Ireland and they're very happy with that. Uh, and the DUP kind of formally or informally being in government uh, in the UK could mean 
a significant breakdown in the peace process in Northern Ireland, like the power sharing government in Northern Ireland has already broken down. But the way it's being expressed in the British papers is that uh, the DUP in British government could mean that Northern Ireland would be back on the front pages of British newspapers. And we'd hate that. We'd hate to have to find out about like the the poorest and most deprived part of the country. We just don't want to know anything about it. But the best thing about the DUP is that, um, well, the Conservatives announced very shortly after the election that they had a deal with the DUP to, you know, a confidence and supply agreement where they would vote with them in major things in Parliament. And then the DUP said, no, we haven't. (laughs) And um, the Tories kept on announcing it until the DUP eventually clarified that they couldn't have made an agreement because being insane Protestants, they refused to do any negotiation on Sunday. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah, uh, they're also creationist. Oh, cool. um, very cool. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, are did these people stand to gain anything really with their partnership uh, with the Tories? I mean, or I mean, they they're still like tiny, marginal. Yeah, yeah, they have ten seats, um, but I mean, you know, they hold the balance because with them, the Tories have a majority. Um, Like, uh, you know, there was initially a whole lot of worry that they might kind of demand changes to abortion law or whatever. What it mostly looks like they'll be demanding is uh, more money for schools and hospitals in Northern Ireland, which, given that it is the poorest part of the UK, is kind of fair enough. Um, But then they're also going to be interesting when it comes to Brexit because they're really pro-Brexit, but they also really don't want a border with the Republic of Ireland. And so, you know, Theresa May is going to have to be managing them and her own party and the demands of the Europeans and also probably the tiny, tiny voice at the back of her head, which keeps on whispering, you failed. Nobody likes you. You failed. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, you know, her her entire upper skull might explode in the next couple of weeks we're just we are just going to have to wait and see you know there might be another election i really want another election you know like the the sheer joy that came with the last one i i've become an addict now Remember I, though, hubris yeah, hubris i know i know but i want it again i'm i'm hooked i'm chasing the high <laughs> i want i want an election every fucking week Pretty soon you're going to start uh, watching all of those Colin reality TV shows just so you can vote for who's the best dancer. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, only if everyone hates them, but then they win, which I mean, is like, that's like the normal reality TV narrative, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's true. People like an underdog, which is also why people are, are like turning on Donald Trump now and, and the Pepe's are very disaffected. They only liked him because he was the you know disgusting underdog. And now he's ruling like a conventional, albeit inept Republican and they're 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 horrified uh you know daddy has disappointed them well I mean like the Republicans are ruling like conventional if inept Republicans Donald Trump is like he's like the baby in the backseat of a car who screams whenever it's not going where he wants it to go he loves signing things I mean they should just give him you know like like when uh children like babies fall in love with expensive electronic objects like cell phones you can give them like an old broken one because they don't know the difference (laughs) well so you're saying that they should give donald trump an an old broken country like britain maybe just give him things to sign yeah a check to me he should sign that 
Well, but yeah, yeah. I mean, like this is precisely why I get really pissed off when people try and compare Corbyn and Trump. You know, they're both outsiders. Nobody thought they could do it. But they're kind of completely the opposite in every other conceivable dimension. I mean, Jeremy Corbyn is like one of he's like he's like one of Britain's oldest standing parliamentarians, which you know, in some ways is his greatest strength, and in some ways is a quite a big weakness for him. But what was it Paul Ryan said about Trump? Oh, it's fine. He's learning. He's new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay if he breaks a law continually. Yeah, okay. It's, he doesn't know what it, he's it, doing. There's a curve, you know. He, he, gets, yeah. <laughs> he gets graded on effort, like what I do with my freshman students. Like, well, he did a lot of really good revisions. That counts for something. We're taking the training wheels off any moment now. <laughs> They're yeah. never taking the training wheels off. <laughs> Just watch him. him go as long as it's smooth and downhill. <laughs> Well, it's it's incredibly exciting. I mean, it's far from over. It's literally the best thing to ever happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, since you know, nineteen seventeen, nineteen fifty one, or like whatever. But but it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. You know, like I I was I was born just after the fall of the Berlin Wall. You know, I haven't had a lot of good things. It's the best thing to ever happen to me, and and it didn't even happen to me. Everyone everyone is 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 so happy over here. People who were um, also just these like Bordigas skeptics too even had to soften the fuck up. No, I mean I've I've uh, I've written about this actually, but I've been like overwhelmed by the response from the like from the American left. I had on election night I had like people sending me pictures, they'd taken over bars and they were playing the BBC on the projectors and you know, groups of, of young people in America were so enthusiastic about this guy. And unlike unlike a lot of people here, including like at times me, you know, they never doubted that he could do it. It's just good. I don't know. I don't know what to do when things are good. I have no, I have no, I don't, I, I, I what is this feeling? <laughs> Where are my hands? Uh, you know, this is a pinhole of light. It's getting bigger. Where am I? No idea. <laughs> I mean, once uh, once Corbyn gets into government and he's a new prime minister, I'm like obviously I'm instantly going to turn against him. But it's going to be so much more rewarding and fun critiquing a Corbyn government from the left than a fucking Theresa May government from the left. Like I, I would love to be able to do what what the fucking Guardian does at every Tory budget, where they kind of go, "Oh, there's some interesting stuff here, but it doesn't go far enough." I would love to be able to say that the government isn't going far enough rather than that it's going in the wrong direction. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if anything, this indicates that people know that there's something inherently rotten uh, about the whole thing. Mm. And, but that, there's also the possibility of something genuinely good. Yeah, yeah. You, can do, you can do better, yeah, which is really necessary to the project. Mm. It's not just like, oh, well, it's like, it's like a, you know, some people think the ship just needs to be corrected and, and, and some people think or are aware that the ship is actually sinking and people are like you know we we do we do have a little bit of time to build a whole other ship that we could get on mm. um and it seems like i don't know people are really like ready to to fight for like actual socialism which is shocking to me and feels embarrassingly corny to say <laughs> i think people will be really invigorated everyone's so excited everyone in other places is so excited too, and I, I and and the fantastic thing about this is that this has reignited our smug fury that Bernie would have won. 
Yeah, I guess that leaves us with one last question. Jeremy Corbyn's election performance, is it art? It was a masterpiece. Definitely art. 100% art. (laughs) All right. Uh, All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Talk to you next time. See you next time.